to you that yeah, I went back to school because folks were bringing things to me that I was ill-prepared for. So there are obviously uh, some, some threats to oneness that it's not something that everybody experiences. Sometimes it's because they've, they've never known what oneness is supposed to be. Sometimes it's because they've gotten away from those principles that are necessary to have that. And so I'm just going to highlight... Uh, uh, the most common things that Denise and I see, that is the issues that bring people to us. Uh, not always what they present the first time is, is really what the issue is, but uh, these, this is a general uh, presentation. More often than not, they'll come and say, we just can't communicate anymore. And that's a pretty broad statement, and so we have some conversation about that, but um, I try to find out, have you ever communicated? If we have, kind of plug back in there and say, what happened and how do we change that? But uh, that's a really, really prominent uh, issue that they bring to us. Sometimes it's finances, and we'll talk about communication tonight. Uh, we won't talk about uh, financial issues this weekend. We've included that in our presentations before, but here's what we've discovered is, is there's a variety of of levels of uh, financial things that people need to consider. And if we get these other issues right, then they can typically handle the finances. There are people who have expertise in that. Um, uh, my wife, you know, been an accountant for years, so she has the expertise in, in our family, but um, you know, to try to help people work through that particular thing in a workshop is, we found that to be difficult. But uh, Dale Hubbard uh, at Polish in the pulpit. You know, he, he always presents something there, and he used to come to the Memphis School of Preaching and work with the preacher student. There are people, and you probably have them at the Florida School of Preaching, some experts that can come in and talk to folks, but, uh, and there are probably people in your congregation that you can get. Or, you know, you can, some of the, the books we have on our resource list for you uh, are things that we've used personally. You know, Dave Ramsey has a uh, a really good, you know, financial approach that if you apply those things, but if you don't get the communication right, you're just going to fight about why you don't have enough money. And you're never going to communicate, well, how do we take the funds that we've got and how do we use them and be good stewards of them? So, but, but I wanted to let you know that that is a major, major issue that people bring with us, and we have to work through that. Uh, sexual issues, intimacy issues, you know, our world has so perverted that that it's, uh, and we void it like a plague. You know, we just like, oh, uh, probably don't need to talk about that. And guess who's talking about it? And guess who's perverting it? You know, Satan is perverting it everywhere. You can't even buy a sack of dog food without it having some sexual overtones of how they advertise it. And that's not what God designed. And that's what, not what you see in the first couple. That's not what you read about in the scriptures. Now, you do read about the perversion of that, but not his design, not what he intended for us. And so those are major issues. We'll, we'll talk about the intimacy part, and that's really a better word to use. But I use the word sexuality because that's where it's advertised. You know, that's the word that Satan uses. But God describes a very close, intimate relationship, the oneness, and that's why we entitle our, our presentations Becoming One and Staying That Way. Uh, intimacy involves a lot more than sexuality. But those are issues that bring, people bring to us, and those are the terms that they use, and so we'll address that tomorrow in separate uh, sessions. Denise will have the, the uh, 
the ladies and I'll have the men. And then time management. You know, they're just uh, not together much anymore. Or when they are together, they don't make good use of their time. And it's uh, maybe their kids are grown. Maybe children feel like their parents are not available for them. There's a lot of different issues with, with the time management part. We'll spend some time on that uh, tomorrow also, just to you know, kind of keep that in mind. I thought this was a, Denise said, we're going to have to get an updated uh, cartoon. She said, because uh, people don't email much anymore, they text each other, you know. And, and that was kind of illustrated. We visited, I taught at Bear Valley last week, a biblical counseling course for their graduate students. And we stayed with one of our sons, and he lived up in the mountain. And, and so my wife was telling me that our daughter-in-law said, um, uh, tell Austin supper's ready. And she said, my son just texted him. He, his room was down in the basement, you know, and they were up on the uh, upper level, and so he just texted him, you know, like, supper's ready. And you can see how that kind of contributes to, we, we think we've communicated, send him a text. And this particular one has this marriage counselor with this couple there and said, what do you mean we don't communicate? I sent you an email Monday. You know, it's like this, yeah, we communicated. I, I sent something your way. You didn't get it. And that's kind of our, our definition sometimes of, of communicating. Boy, you want to really do a little personal research? Next time you go to the restaurant, just look around and see how many people sitting at the table with their cell phones. They're right across from each other. But they're not having any conversation. But boy, they're communicating with somebody or somebody's communicating with them. And the waitress kind of has to interrupt them. You know, like, here's your meal. Oh, okay. Just a minute, you know. They just lost there. Well, that, that, that creates some issues. We'll talk about some of that uh, as we go through this. So how would you, let me back up, how would you define communication? Any takers on that? All right. That, you know, that's a basic definition of that is you uh, sending and receiving information. And how do you do that? How do you send and receive information? Sometimes I'm a little jealous of Adam and Eve because there wasn't any pollution of the information. You know, all information was just the way God wanted it to be, so anything that they used hadn't, hadn't been filtered through uh, uh, social media or uh, family history over a long period of time and and I don't know if your family did this, but here's what our family did. Didn't have any of that. We're it. Just like God wants us to be. And uh, uh, Denise and I have had to work through things that, you know, my family had a particular approach to how we communicated, and her family had a little approach, and that, that became issues, and we'll emphasize that before we close tonight. But as was just expressed, the imparting or exchanging of information, the act of process of using words, um, sounds, signs. My wife has some signs, and I've learned sign language, at least her sign language, you know. Uh, sometimes doesn't have to say a word, but she's communicated lots of things. And the same would be true with me. She'd know, okay, what's wrong? What do you mean what's wrong? I haven't said anything. Well, something's wrong. Why is that? There's some signs that, that we pick up on. Uh, behaviors to express or exchange information. That was the definition that was just shared with us. 
um, or express ideas, thoughts, feelings, etc., to someone. So it sounds real complicated. You know, it's like, okay, don't don't make it so hard. But really, we've got something we'd like for someone to know or feel that we really have experienced or would like to experience. And we have to try to choose how do we get them to understand that, to see that, to participate in that. When I used to teach for a, a community college in Colorado when we lived there, and uh, at community college you've got freshmen and sophomores. And so I had a lot of uh, athletes that were there to play basketball or volleyball or something like that. They really weren't there to get an education, and so I knew when the first day of class they'd say, uh, Mr. Martin, uh, what do you allow your class to do for extra credit? I knew if you were asking the first day, <laughs> I knew what had been communicated with me is I am not interested in the academic part, so the likelihood that I'm not really going to achieve much in here, and what other ways can I get points other than studying? That's really what was communicated to me. But I, you know, I, I participated. I said, well, you know, we'll, I'll tell you what. Um, I'll have a quote every week. I'll have something I put on the board. And I may not just say, hey, here's an extra credit. I may work it into what I'm saying, but if I put something extra that's not really in the textbook, not, maybe not even on the subject matter, and I spend a little time on it, if you'll write that down and you'll remember it, then I'll give you whatever points I'll assign to it. And one of the things I'd always do is I'd write the word communication on the board. And to make sure they stayed awake, I'd say, that's back when we used chalk, you know, and I said, uh, take this piece of chalk, and if you'll go to the board and circle the two most important letters in the word communication, this was in a speech, uh, speech communication class, uh, I'll give you extra credit to use wherever you need it this semester. And so they'd take the chalk and they'd come up there and, you know, and, you know, circle what they thought. And uh, usually it would include, what do you think? All right. It would include you and I, like, oh, I got this. And you could just see they think, man, hey, you know, I want, I want to do it. And uh, um, so I'd let them get through with their process and then here's what I would show them. Ah, ah. <laughs> that's exactly right. I see. You can scream. You can yell. You can uh, hit your fist on the desk. You can threaten. You can do a lot of things and think you've communicated. But you've really not communicated unless in sending that information and receiving it back causes that person to understand where you're coming from. Doesn't mean you have to agree with them. And boy, does our society need that, does it? We scream and holler at each other and throw things at each other and call each other all kinds of names and say, now, do you get it? It's like, no, I don't get it at all. I'm just gonna have a shield with me to keep from being bombarded with all the things you're throwing at me. I don't know why you're throwing them. But that's where you're coming from. Until we get to the point where you can say, ah, I see. Let me give you a little for instance. When I was in high school, I worked as an orderly in a, a nursing home. 
And so one of my responsibilities was make sure all the uh, male uh, patients were, got their shave. And so I'd gotten there one afternoon, you know, I worked from 3 to 11, and so I'd just gotten there from school, and I was jabbering about what was going on at school, and we had this one man that was a young man, comparatively speaking, because he's in his 50s, but he'd had a stroke, and so he couldn't talk. And he would, he would say, 1-0, And he'd point to things, you know, and say, okay, you know, you, you want your wheelchair? And you're like, yeah, that's it. Or he'd say, no. He'd shake his head no, and he'd say, 1-0, 1-0. And maybe he'd pointed something else. And so we went through this little dialogue back and forth every day, you know, and I'd get there, and he'd 1-0, 1-0, and some of it I'd figured out, and I'd say, okay, you want this, and you want that. And so this day I was just jabbering about what's going on at school, and, and we called him Red. <clears throat> I won't tell you his last name. You might be kin to him. So uh, Red, um, he said, 1010, like he was upset about something. And I said, um, I'm sorry? He said, 1010. I said, okay. And I mentioned a couple of things, and he said, 1010. So I went on back, you know, and I was just shaving, and I did that three or four times and just couldn't figure it out. And finally, he'd never done this before. The only thing any of us had ever heard him say was 1010. But this time, he led into a string of curse words that were very fluent. I mean, I'd heard those before in all kinds of contexts. He just cursed for about, you know, it seemed like 10 minutes. It probably, you know, was a minute, but he just slid into cursing. And I said, oh, oh, and he pointed at the razor. The razor was dull. Now, he had bottled up in there somewhere all those curse words, and, you know, I'd spent a year with him, and I'd never heard anything but 1010, but now he changed the whole context, and something is different about what's going on here, and I was pulling on his, his face with that razor, and I was so busy telling him about my day, I wasn't really understanding what he was saying. But he was thinking. He put a little different emphasis on the 1010. And now when I get frustrated in life, I'll look at Denise and I'll say, 1010. That's, that's how I feel about it. You know, it's 1010. It kind of encompasses all frustration in my life. That's how I'm going to communicate that. That's a little secret communication that you wouldn't have known if you'd heard me say that. You wouldn't have known if I hadn't given you the background. You see, now you know my experience with, with Red. Now I paid closer attention to the things I did with Red to make sure, say, okay, is this okay? You know, got a new razor today, Red, you know, because I didn't want to hear those curse words anymore. He used those very clearly. And I thought that was a really sad context of his life, but still. Then I was able to see. Now, he tried to communicate. And he put different emphasis on it, and he eliminated all the things I'd guessed at, and he thought I was smart enough to say, look, you're shaving my face. We've kind of narrowed this down, Okay. There's something that you're doing, you're right here on me, and I'm telling you, it's 1010. And that was just not anywhere close to anything I would have guessed at the time. Our relationship's sometimes that way, isn't it? We think we're communicating, and we're not. Um, and sometimes it takes a blow up, you know, sometimes it takes a, a, a cold night, you know, or uh, cold meal. It might take a. It might take a lot of things. Say, okay, what's wrong? What, what can we do? 
And we need to really emphasize that we need to get to the point where we know where we're coming from. Let me emphasize again, it doesn't mean we have to agree with each other on everything. There's some things that Denise and I have been married for almost 50 years. It will be 50 years this next year. There's some things we still don't agree on. But we respect each other for why we feel the way we do. Because now we understand where that background is, where that's come from, where those passions are, where those repulsive things are. And we just say, no, that, you know, I don't feel that way about that. And I don't try to convince her in those kind of things that we just differ on. Doesn't affect our relationship with Christ or doesn't diminish our, our marriage, but we just don't agree on that subject. But I understand why she feels the way she does about that subject. She tries to do that with me. And so that I see needs to be our focus in communication. That we get to the point where we see. Let me tell you one other little, little story. If I don't tell you, Denise will tell you her version. Is um, I thought we always agreed. Because we'd talk sometimes at night and you know, we'd stay up late and talk. And, and uh, uh, she always agreed with me. And we've been married a lot of years. And one day she said, I don't, I don't agree with that. And I said, what do you mean you don't agree with that? You said you did. She said, when? I, I told her, she said, well, because you lectured me to midnight, I would have told you anything you wanted to hear. <laughs> yeah. And see, I thought I just explained it and needed to explain it a few more times for her because she wasn't getting it. And after a while, she's thinking, I don't want to go to sleep. Now, he's not going to stop until I say, okay, you're right. And, but she didn't agree with me at all on that particular subject. And I went thinking that I'd communicated something, and I had not. And so when we talk now, I, I try not to turn it into a lecture. And we try not to talk late at night. And we talk at times when we can both reason through those things, but that's the key always to communication is being able to see. So the function, as was mentioned in the definition a moment ago, is kind of a two-way process of, of reaching mutual understanding. And we like to say mutual agreement to you, you may not get there. You may not need to get there. But you need to get to mutual understanding about those matters. How do you become competent at it? How do you master communication? You know, there's a lot of encoding and uh, decoding of information that has to go on. And if you've been married for a while, you have your own little unique codes. If somebody else heard your conversation or saw your response, they, it might be totally foreign to them. But you develop those and, and you kind of decode those based on your experience and, and your ideas and your feelings as well as, as uh, uh, you know, the skills you have to share that. I'm the guy that took a zero in my high school speech class because I was just mortified to get up in front of people. And my speech teacher just begged me, said, just get up there and say anything. I'll have to give you a zero if you don't participate. Just get up there and say anything, or it's going to destroy your grade. No, I just wasn't going to do that. It, I took the zero. It destroyed my grade, just like she said it would. And now every day, almost all day long, I have to communicate with people. I'm communicating with you. I'm trying to make sure that you're able to relate to what I'm trying to share with you. 
But here's what will happen. Because of your personal experience and because of your immediate contact, there's a lot of decoding that goes on. You'd say, I know this is what he said, but what he doesn't know is, and you'd be absolutely right, is I don't know your immediate context. So that's why we have to come to a, an agreement and understanding and say, well, what are the principles that work? Now, you're going to have to apply them yourself, and in your unique context, you may have to develop certain skills to do that that might not work in my context. But the principles always work. And the key, isn't it, isn't it always the key to say, I want to understand you. I don't like having conversations with people, and they leave, and I thought, I don't have any idea what they just said. It hasn't helped them. They haven't really shared anything with me that's, that they wanted to share because I don't understand what they said. But there have been plenty of times when I did not agree with the person who's talking to me when they left. And I told them while they were talking to me, well, I don't really see it that way. But wow, I haven't lived where you lived either. And I haven't experienced what you experienced. So now I have a little broader understanding of, of how things can affect people in life. And I really regret that you've experienced that. And I'd like to do what I can to try to make sure that you and I have a different relationship than what you've experienced. But see, I haven't lived it, so I can't really fully agree with maybe his approach of responding to it, but I can understand why he might respond the way he does. In the counseling situation, uh, I'm teaching this semester uh, basic counseling skills. <clears throat> So, um, what those counseling students are taught is that when you first meet someone and you're in the first session and you're having, hearing their story, that you need to listen to their story. Now, you want to encourage them to tell their story. You, you're not going to be able to communicate if you don't know the story. And so you encourage them, say, that's really interesting. Now, these are not canned, fake responses to saying, I hear you. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Because, see, if they don't tell me more about that, I'm not going to be able to say, okay, now, based on where you've come from and what you've experienced, what is it about your story that you'd like to change? And then we can work on how to change it. But if I don't hear their story, I can just say, well, you know, here's what I do. Well, they're not me, and their context is different, and that wouldn't be a fair process. So I tell those students, so you have to listen to their story. Encourage them to tell their story. Prime that pump to make sure they complete their story. Oh, tell me more about that. You, you mentioned a while ago this particular thing happened when you were a child. Tell me, tell me how that made you feel. Now you're getting a little deeper. You're saying, I really want to understand you. How'd that make you feel? Because, see, that's who they've become. And, and that's how they're projecting in their own relationship is what they've experienced. And so for me to help them make any change they need to make, I have to know how they feel. But it doesn't stop there. I have to find out what's the meaning underneath that feeling. Because, see, that's who they've become. That's how they respond. And I have to try to find that out. And, and so this interchange, it doesn't mean when they get through with their story that I can say, hey, I totally agree with you. Because it's not about that. It's about me understanding them so that I can address those issues. The attitude in order to be able to communicate is a desire to know and a willingness to share 
um, and respect the process. And if you just want people to know how you feel, you're not willing to filter their response, think about families and how that, that would come about. What we're going to have passed out to you as soon as I finish uh, this particular their slide, probably many of you have already been exposed to the book, but Denise and I were married about, I don't know, uh, 10 years or maybe even longer than that, long time. And uh, we ran across this book by Gary Chapman on the five love languages. And it was just um, revealing. <laughs> um, and I'm going to tell both of our versions of this story, all right? Um, when we read the book, it just kind of like the light came on for us because I'm one of 11 children. And so in my house, in my experience, we lived on a farm and when all the chores were done, there was happiness in our household. And that was a, a repeated process. You know, every day was the same. Got to feed the chickens, lop the hog, got to feed the cows, got to do all these things. Chores are going to have to keep going on. And so if you participated in that, you did your chore, and so we got to eat on time and we got to sleep on time, then we were happy. Somebody didn't do their chore. Then they didn't love this family very much because it got chaotic really, really quick. And so from where I'm coming from, and when you look at these, these different love languages, uh, Denise grew up in an entirely different environment. Uh, she always wanted, her, her father liked to hunt and fish, and uh, he was a very, uh, very bright person, head of the computer program department for Georgia Pacific, and so she always wanted to please her father. And if he bragged on her report card or he came in and he, uh, he singled her out or uh, paid some attention to her, she's always trying to get her, her, her father to words of affirmation. You're really smart or you, you know, you're really beautiful, and so she craved that, and that was her her language. She liked words of affirmation. So she really warmed up to me because if you haven't noticed yet, before you leave tonight, look at those beautiful brown eyes. <laughs> and so I would always tell her when we were dating, you've got the most beautiful brown eyes. And, and, and I really meant this because I wasn't this, you know, the brightest bulb in the, in the lamp. And so I said, you're the smartest woman I know. Well, all those things were still true, but I was busy, you know, trying to provide a living and helping her raise kids and I didn't use those words of affirmation too much, so what do you think I used? I'll just put these up there so we can talk through them. What do you think I used? I used my language, and that was acts of service, because that's a chore. You know, that, that's what you've got to get done so everything function. And so uh, now her version is that I would say, look, you're here all day. How come the dishes aren't done? And, you know, this floor is sticky. Now, what? What's going on here? You know, laundry, you know, you know my favorite shirt. You know, uh, that's her version to say, uh, here's her experience with me, that I'd come in and I'd be impatient with her. And, and my version is, if I came home and, and the dishes weren't done, then I'd go over and do the dishes. Because you see, the family's going to function well when all the chores are done. If the dishes aren't done, or to do them. If the floor is sticky because the kid turned the Kool-Aid over and, and she's doing the laundry and other things, and get the mop and mop the floor. It'll fit your hand just like it'll fit hers. That was my version of it. And so here's what I think I'm communicating. I think that I'm communicating to my, my wife, I love you and adore you because I'm willing to do these chores. And it still was cold around my house. 
And I'm thinking, you know, after I, I mean, this is a pattern for me because we did the chores. And so I don't know how often I did it, but when, you know, the dishes weren't always uh, need washing, but when they did, I felt like I did it. And I'm thinking I'm just screaming at her, I love you and adore you, and you can always count on me to jump in here. You know what she heard? Well, she said I verbalized it enough, she had to hear it. You know, like, how come the dishes aren't done? But here's what she heard from my acts of service. One day we were sitting there and she said, do you think I'm a nasty housekeeper? I said, no, not at all. She said, why do you keep doing my work? <laughs> and I was thinking all this time, you know, what woman wouldn't want to have me? I mean, I, I, do, I do dishes, I do dishes, I, I clean the commodes, I change diapers. I mean, what a guy, you know? And uh, I'm doing all these chores, and, and what woman wouldn't want me? And she just act like I'm aggravating her, and I thought she loved me. And when she asked me that, I said, no. And she said, why do you keep doing my work? But just for clarification, just to make sure we understand that we communicated, you get the IC. She doesn't mind me doing dishes now. And, and I do all the mopping now. You know, that's just kind of what, what our, our exchange is. And so that doesn't offend her. And she probably hasn't cleaned the commode in, I don't know, uh, uh, a lot of the years. Because that's okay. Now that we understand each other, that I see moment to say, look, we were trying to say the same thing. And it had been a lot simpler to me to just say, you know, you have the most beautiful brown eyes. She likes those words of affirmation. Isn't that a lot simpler than cleaning the commode? I mean, just because her eyes still are brown, they still are beautiful, and that's what she's craving. Why didn't I just take the shortcut and say, you got beautiful brown eyes? Because you see, that wasn't the language that I was taught. We didn't have time to sit around and worry about what color each other's eyes were. You know, it, uh, you had to do the chores, and, and, and with that many folks, if you didn't do laundry, you didn't have any clothes to wear. You didn't do dishes, you didn't have anything to eat on. And so in that environment, I'm saying you participate, and guess what? Everybody's going to be happy. And he wasn't happy at our house for a while. And so when we read the book, we thought, ah, we were just screaming over each other rather than saying, look, that's why it bothers him. It's because you had to do the chores or things get really complicated. And I was like, well, her eyes still are beautiful. How come I don't just, before I leave the house, say, man, I get lost in those beautiful brown eyes? Because I do. To say, you know, you're the smartest woman I know. I mean, she married me, didn't she? I mean, you've got you've to look at that and say, she's the smartest woman I know. So those are things that now that we've learned to communicate, I'm going to get them to hand this out before we, before we uh, adjourn tonight. But if you've already done it, do it again. If you've already taken this little test from the Love Language Bank, those are printed off, and it's front and back. And uh, you just answer the questions. When you get to the end, you add up your scores. And when you add up your scores, it'll kind of tell you what your prominent love language is. That's how you normally communicate. You may have some that are close, but there's usually one that's predominant. Some of us are bilingual. You know, we, have, we can speak more than one language pretty good. We uh, have to be careful about that, that we don't become impossible to communicate with. But some of us do. And here's what Denise and I have learned about each other. We've taken it many, many times over the years. 
Here's what we've learned lately. Is even though it still it shows up that we have this, I have this acts of service and she has these words of affirmation. You know what's most prominent now with both of us? We didn't plan it this way. Quality time. That's just kind of, you know, gradually built up and built up and built up. And now when we take the test, they think, hey, I just want to be with her. Our lives are busy and we, we're doing all these things. We got kids and grandkids and church responsibility and, you know, everybody thinks she's a licensed counselor because she's married to a licensed counselor. So all kinds of people are plugged into us. And here's what we crave is time together. And we're stingy with that. You know, we just, we don't answer the phone when we've carved out that time. And you're like, well, what if it's an emergency? Call 911. You know what I mean? If, if it's an emergency, call 911 because this is our time and we're not going to get in an emergency. We're, we're going to make sure that we have this time together. And we'll talk about some ways that we can do that uh, in this week. So here's what I want you to do. And this is husband and wife. This is mother and dad. This is grandma and grandpa this is uh john and sally i mean uh, i don't care what age you are you take that handout and you fill it out tonight first thing we're going to do in the morning is just kind of see where what we learned uh, we want to have one of those ic moments you know we did this one time in a, a marriage retreat and uh this man had a really good job, you know, and he made really good money, and he just really lavished his wife with all kinds of diamond rings and new cars, and every time you turned around, she's getting something new. And so we had this retreat, and he came down the next morning, and he said, I can't believe this. I have spent a fortune on this woman. And her language is words of affirmation. You know, I want it all back. You know, he's like... He's a, I was trying to communicate to her, you know, I love you, and if I can make this money, I want to spend it on you. And she's thinking, well, that's good. I'll drive the car, you know. Well, I'll wear the diamond ring, but, you know, I'd really like for you just to tell me you love me. Well, darling, you know I love you, and I spent all this money. And so you're going to learn some of those things about yourself that if you never get to that I see moment, you have not communicated. And in order to communicate, you have to to learn the language. You just really do. And the neat thing for us is, if we don't know it now, we can learn it. And boy, Denise and I have, have worked on that. And it's night and day in our relationship. And some of these things that, that we've had uh, experience, we want you to experience. So we'll ask you now, whoever's going to pass those out, you'll make sure everybody gets one as I'm as I'm concluding, and I want you to bring those then tomorrow, and we'll kind of see what, what you've learned, and we'll, we'll build on that as we, um, as we progress. While he's passing those out, let me just ask you, do you have a, a, a question about what we've talked about with communication? Don't get this part right, then nothing else we really talk about this week is going to work. Uh, this weekend is going to work too well. Uh, if we can't communicate, if we can't work at trying to understand each other and then build on that. Um, the Lord certainly needs us as whole, unique individuals. And you put those two whole, unique individuals together and you're going to have exactly what he designed for it to have. And that's why Jesus said, have you not read? Still there. The he that made them in the beginning made them male and female. 
And if you look at 20, verse 24 of, of Genesis chapter 2, you're struck when that relationship is described and, and Adam has, has recognized Eve and he said, she's the mother of all living, she's bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And it said, therefore, listen to how profound this is. Therefore, now these are only two there. That's the only two names we have is Adam and Eve. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. God's saying, that's what it looks like. That's what it was designed to be. Now that you know it, that's what you're supposed to do. It was true then. It's true now. And so some of these principles we're going to talk about, just keep that fresh on your mind, that you can do it. I am fully aware that there are all kinds of dynamics that will be rep represented this weekend. Don't be discouraged because yours doesn't look perfect or doesn't look like somebody else's. My parents divorced when I was eight years old. And so I spent a lot of my time, and part of my lectures to my wife was, I was going to make sure my marriage worked. And so I want to make sure I communicated. I want to make sure that she knew that I wanted this marriage to work. And, and I tried too hard in the sense that I tried to force the issue rather than experience the relationship. To experience it the way God designed it. And there's a world of difference. And just trying to hold on to it and force it to, to survive than just experiencing it. And he said, experience it the way I've designed it. You'll separate yourself from your mother and your father and you'll focus upon this relationship just like they were designed by their heavenly father and they focused on that relationship. It's a beautiful concept to look at. And that's why when people complicated it in Matthew chapter 19 and, and tried to use that complication to confuse Jesus, he said, read it. Have you not read it? still the same. And the same is true today. We know, Denise and I know, that relationships aren't always uh, pristine. And sometimes in marriages and in families there are, are serious dysfunction. We've experienced some of those. I'll be honest with you, we've created some of those. But here's a neat thing for us, the hopeful thing for us. Anything that's a dysfunction, anything that's detrimental, we can change. You see those genetics that we're that passed down to our families, you go to the doctor and it says, fill out this form. Do you have any history of heart disease? Do you have any history of diabetes? You know, you have any history of this and history of that? What is he talking about? Well, you came from a, uh, you descended from a family. Are those genetics passed on to you? What we'll try to do this weekend is say, look, there are spiritual genetics too. Now, I can't do a whole lot about my biological genetics other than when the doctor says, okay, if there are the history of, of heart disease, here's some things that you need to not eat. There's some exercise you need to have. And our experience this weekend hopefully is for us to take this spiritual context, this biblical context, and say, if those genetics are not like they need to be, you change it. Isn't that encouraging? You can change the function in your relationship, in your families. That can change. And the Lord can help you 
make that change. And that one will be our effort together, and I hope that you'll, uh, you'll spend some time and, and energy tonight. Make it fun. Denise and I enjoy taking that little, little test over and over, you know, and, and we've in, enjoyed seeing that development that takes place. And we know exactly why. Our language now has the predominance of, of quality time. We know exactly. We understand it. It's communicated. We see because we've experienced it. And we value our time together. In fact, let me just end on this, uh, this humorous note. We'll, we'll mention it again when we're talking about uh, quality time, uh, managing our time. But um, she kind of keeps me honest. You know, all of our marriage, I'll say, you know, one of these days I'd like for us to do X, Y, or Z. You know, boy, I'd like for us to go here. I'd like for us to do that. And now she says, in a very sobering way, well, if we're going to do it, we better do it get it done. Why? Because I'm 67 years old. So it's not like we're 20 and we got our lifetime to get that done. We probably better work that in <laughs> while, while we have today. And so she reminds me. Now, that's why the time becomes so valuable. We've experienced how important it is. And now our language is say, hey, let's make sure that all of our experiences together is just the way they were designed to be. And let's enjoy each other and let's prioritize the things that we, we agree on and we can really emphasize. And let's share this with as many people as we can while we have time and opportunity. And that's our passion with you this weekend. And not to preach to you and, and not to talk down to you or, or make you feel bad about things. Say, hey, there's a way that you can have wholeness in yourself and feel good about who that is. And you can work with someone else who is holding that relationship and you can pass that on to your children so when they leave their mother and father, they'll know how to do it. Therefore, they can carry that with them. I appreciate your attentive nature tonight. went a little longer maybe than you anticipated. We'll keep it within the time frame tomorrow. But we've talked about this all the way down here today. And just excuse me for having to just dump all that out on your, in your lap and say, think about this. But I want you to do do that for tonight. Take the little quiz. It doesn't take long. Here's my, my reminder to you on any quiz, but particularly on this one. Your very first impression is the right answer. Don't sit there and say, I wonder how he's answering it. Hmm, I wonder what Brother Martin would think. I, I wonder where this is going to place me. Just answer the question. It, it, whatever pops in your mind to start with is how you feel you prioritize it. Just answer it that way. It's going to come out and going to be insightful to you, I think. Let's end with a word of prayer. Holy Father, we truly are grateful to have this time together. We're thankful for those who are represented here. It's obvious that they had other places they could be and other things that they could choose to do. But they chose to be here tonight to strive to be the person that I would have them to be and to have insight about relationships that they can have with, with their spouses, with their children, with their parents, with their fellow man. We pray that our time together has been useful to us, that we've all gained insight and, and understanding that we'll be able to place into our lives in such a way we can enjoy everything that is designed for us to enjoy. We pray that we'd be di dismissed in safety, that we would have a night's rest that would allow us to be back tomorrow morning. 
And we ask these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen.